Is, you know, we can sing that song, but uh, I was just mindful this morning as I'm singing that song and going, God, I've just got to remind myself that you're always up to something good when everything seems like it's going wrong. Is that true? It's always a good time to remember that principle. Uh, you know, this week I found myself sometimes in the midst of busyness and thinking, oh, this is, and just going, Lord, what's there to be thankful for right now? You know, it changes the way that you see life. It changes your demeanor from, uh, to, oh, you know, this, I'm doing okay. It's a good thing to do, isn't it? Always remember, he's always, there's always something good you can see. He's always up to something, even in the midst of when everything's down and everything's bad, you know. Praise God. I want to read to you Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. It's Matthew's account this morning. Oh, while I remember, I had my good friend, Captain Chris Ford, to contact me this week. And, and Chris, um, just because um, we have um, time together and catch up and once a fortnight with a whole bunch of us ministers and pastors. And, and so Chris was letting me know that Christmas Eve, there's a need. He's, he's got a lot of people who are making meals um, for the fireys and for those who are serving in that area where there's just a lot of stuff happening, of course, needs at the moment with fires around our state. And, and he's got a whole bunch of people doing that, but he's down four people. So on Christmas Eve, he just put a notice out to our, our churches and those pastors he knows. He says, if there was anybody who could help on Christmas Eve to help make meals for all those who are fighting fires and doing stuff like that, um, that'd be much appreciated. You can see me afterwards. Is that cool? That's giving up something of your Christmas Eve, but, um, and, and it is a bit of an all-day process, so just be aware of that if you do commit to that. Please let us know. You can see me afterwards. Uh, let's read um, something of the story of Jesus' birth. Hey, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Hey, if you're traveling away, have a great Christmas, wherever it is. Um, be safe, keep safe, and, um, and uh, wherever you may be going. If you're here, don't worry. There's 8.30 on Wednesday morning. We're gonna, there's going to be a great time happening here, 8.30. Just make note of the hour earlier service. So Matthew chapter 2, verses what did I say? 1 to uh, 11. Let me read this from the New King James Version. Uh, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Jesus' birth was not welcomed by everybody. You can see King Herod was certainly not welcoming it. He was an incredibly uh, insecure person. Um, and, and it says not only he was troubled, but all of Jerusalem it's a pretty general statement, but there was a lot of people who were troubled by it. Well, what's this all about? What's happening? Um, and verse 4 says, When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you shall come a ruler who, sh who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring him word back to me that I may kill him. Oh, sorry. Doesn't say that, does it? But that's what he meant. 
He was not interested in any other king rising up in Israel. Sorry, I'll just read it properly. Bring word back to me that I may come and worship him. What? Also, he was a great liar as well as an insecure man. Um, because that's what happened. Eventually, Herod um, went to Bethlehem. Well, he didn't, but he took his soldiers there and they, and they slaughtered every ch- ch- boy child under the age of two. So verse 9, When they heard the king, they departed, and, and this is the wise men, and they beheld the star which had seen in the east went before them till he came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. This is the wise men. And when they'd come into the house... They saw the young child with Mary and his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they'd opened their treasures, treasures, note that, they presented gifts to him, and they were what? Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Okay. Uh, this is just one of the gospel accounts or one of the stories uh, just talking about the birth of Jesus. Um, I was 11 years of age, and I just ha- I couldn't lay in bed any longer. It was Christmas morning, 1974. Who's ever been that age and remember back then? I just couldn't, it was six, I got up at six o'clock and I couldn't, couldn't lay there any longer. I just had to go out to the Christmas tree. Come on, anybody remember their childhood? I had to go to the Christmas tree and I was up before anybody else. I went to the Christmas, and I remember 1974 Christmas for a couple of reasons. And one of them was when I went to the Christmas tree, there was no gift. There was plenty of gifts, but there was no gift with my name on it. Have you ever had that experience? That is, an, that is one of the nightmares of an 11-year-old to wake up and go to the Christmas tree and all your sisters and everybody else has got Christmas and you haven't got one with... And surely I thought they've just, they've just forgotten. Maybe they've yet to wrap it and, you know, I'm up too early and they've yet to put it under the tree. But, you know, I, I, I didn't show my disappointment. I waited till everybody got up and I, I kind of smiled as everybody's handing out Christmas presents and I thought, this is, this is a bad day. <laughs> this is not a good day. I'm not getting any Christmas presents. How could mum and dad do this to me? This is incredibly, this is like torture. This is, I might as well run away from home. I just had, who can, you know, what is happening here? And then finally, my dad and mum said to me, and this is the second reason I remember 1974 Christmas, is they said, follow me. And so I, my dad led me down the back stairs to underneath the house is what was called a rumpus room. You remember those things? We used to call them rumpus rooms. And, and, and he opened the door and there, there, for me, it was better than anything I'd ever seen, was a motorbike. And I then, yeah, yeah I know, I was excited. <laughs> and then I realized, you can't put a motorbike under the tree. <laughs> I thought they could have tried. Now, anyway. <laughs> but uh, this little 50cc, it was an incredible beast of power. <laughs> For an 11-year-old, it was anyway. And so uh, I remember that Christmas. The gift was incredible. And as an 11-year-old, I, I, I just literally remember because of the gift. Now as an adult, I look back and reflective of that, that Christmas in 1974, and, and I'm, I'm thankful for a whole lot of other reasons about the gift they gave me because now I realize the significance of the gift would have been a sacrifice for my dad and mum to save up and pay and buy. A, it was secondhand, but it was a good little motorbike. Probably around, I don't know, what do you buy 50cc motorbikes for in 1974? Would, would I be right in saying $400? Where's Tom? He, he's got motorbikes. Jason, you're about 400. You know, I don't think, I think my dad only made just over that in one week's wage, working at QAL. 
And and so now as an adult, I realize the significance of the gift that they gave me and that it was reflective of something just more than a gift. It was a reflection of their incredible love and and, and care for me as their their, um, son, as a little 11-year-old. And I'm so appreciative now, not because of the gift. It's long gone. It's buried. It's probably scrapped. But, you know, just the heart of my parents to do something incredible. Like, you've got to realize I never got, this was one of those one and only gifts that you only ever get once, you know. It was an incredible gift. I always remember that. Some of you are reminiscing right now through the, some of the incredible gifts that you got. Who's ever gotten an incredible gift? Come on. Yell it out. Peter Miles, what did you get? Push a push bike. I remember my, I got a push bike once. What did, I got a swag and suit. A swag? Yeah. Oh, man. They're good stuff too. Over here, Joseph. A What? A tinny. Who <laughs> wouldn't be thankful for that? So, you know, there's, t- there's times where there, and then you've got to look past the actual gift and you've got to see the significance of why the gift was given because obviously there was something in the heart of the person giving it that just wanted to see the smile on our face just wanted to see the joy in our life because of the gift that was given, just the excitement of it. And it's a bit like that. And to be honest, I appreciate Christmas these days, not for the gifts I receive, because you can only be smiling. You can only receive so many jocks and socks. We would agree, you know? And that's okay. I need them. I mean, you can only receive so many bottles of um, chocolate almond, but I enjoy them. But, you know, I don't remember Christmas so much these days for the gifts. I just remember it's for the people I spend it with and the joy of giving to someone else. It kind of has this transition as you get older, isn't it? Not about receiving so much as giving. I hope that's your testimony anyway. But certainly as an 11-year-old, it was all about the getting. (laughs) Today, Jesus, in our story here, as a little baby, in actual fact, he wasn't a baby. We often think that the, the wise men, the three, uh, we, we say three, it could have been more. But anyway, we always say three because there was three gifts given. But they could have been, could have been ten wise men. They, just, they gave three types of gifts. And, 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 and he wasn't a baby because if you notice in Scripture, it says in verse 11 that, that the wise men met Mary and Joseph in a house. Not in a cave or a stable or where he was born. So, so this is some months later. He's a little boy now. He could have been walking. In actual fact, he could have been anywhere from you know, three or four months up to two because even Herod made sure that he, he, he slaughtered every boy child under two. And so we see that Jesus wasn't just a baby now when the wise men finally made it to him. He was a little boy, uh, maybe crawling, walking. And as they came to him... They gave him something very deliberate. They gave him gifts that were incredibly powerful. Now, if it was you and I, we'd probably give gifts um, a rattle, a little outfit, you know, 50 disposable nappies. They're always good, aren't they, to give? Uh, but they didn't do any of those gifts. What they gave to Jesus was just a bit peculiar, to be honest. It seemed a bit out there. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. Who gives that to a baby? Mind you, I wouldn't say no to a pot of gold. <laughs> You're welcome um, to give that one to me. But see, these wise men came 
you know, you've got to think about it. They, weren't, they, they just didn't think, think one day, oh, let's, go and, uh, let's go and find the Messiah. Let's go and find this Jesus. It wasn't just something they'd done on their part time. No, there was a deliberate action on their part because they'd seen a sign in the sky. They'd seen, they'd seen something. They'd studied the stars all their lives, and they knew, the, they knew what was happening. And this one was incredibly unique and peculiar, this star. Why was it there? And so they identified it with this, this, this coming king and so they traveled to Jerusalem and they met with Herod and and Herod said you know go on it's in Bethlehem and so they went to Bethlehem and when they came in to that house where Mary and Joseph and Jesus was you know they they literally these wise men now they came from the east so more than likely they lived in Persia and more than likely they because they were wise men they weren't just some self you know confessed or um, prophets but they were intelligent, highly intelligent men, and they were probably in some leadership position in, their, in the Persian palace. And so they came, and they came, and they knelt, and the first thing they'd done is, is, is as much authority as they had, and as much as, you know, they were wise and, you know, highly intelligent men, they, yet they bowed their hearts and bowed their knees and worshipped Jesus and presented the gifts to him. What was so significant about these gifts, and what was so, you know, what was that? To give gold. I don't know if you've ever paused at Christmas and thought the gold, the frankincense and myrrh, you know, just didn't seem like it was the, it was the kind of gifts to give. And yet, as we just look a little deeper this morning, just for a moment, at the significance of what was given, you'll see a powerful testimony and a powerful foretelling of the life and the ministry and the things that Jesus would do because of the and, and, and the gifts. Maybe they didn't intend to have this significance behind them, but maybe they did. But the truth is, today, we can look at these gifts and see the significance that they were foretelling for us anyway of the life and the ministry of Jesus. And more importantly, not only about Jesus was going to do and his, what his life would end up and what he would, how he would go in life, but it also foretells about what would happen to us and how life can go for us and what we can receive and what we can need to take on board. It also affects these gifts that were given have a message for us today and how to live. And so let's dive in and just have a bit of a look at the gifts, unusual gifts. First of all, you need to know that all three gifts were often given just to royalty at special occasions. And if we were to if we were to look at the, the, the first gold, gold is, is a universal thing. It's been around. It's in all cultures. It's, it's the one of the three that all of us understand. Now, I don't have bags of gold, but we do maybe have something of a gold carrot ring on your finger. Maybe you've got some jewelry. Uh, maybe you've invested some shares in gold. If you were to look at the gold price today, it's 2170 Australian dollars for an ounce of gold. That's a good price. It's the most expensive metal in the world. Um, and back then, it was an expensive metal too. So gold has an intrinsic value to it. But the reality is it was more than that. It, gold was often given only to kings. So as the wise men came, quite deliberately, I think, they're declaring something about Jesus Christ. They're saying he's a, he's a king. He, they're establishing something. They're honoring him as a king. And, and you know, and it was kind of foretelling the purpose and, and, and the authority and the power that Jesus had. Because if we look at it, Jesus himself said, proclaimed himself as a king. He, he actually said in Matthew 27, 11, I just quickly, there's no verse for, there's a verse not up there, but, but it just says, uh, there was a governor who said to him, are you king of the Jews? And he said to them, 
is, it is as you say, proclaiming he was a king. You know, on that fateful um, time, that week before he was crucified, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, Jesus did, and the people on the sides um, put down palm branches and, and items of clothing, and they, and they cried out and they said this, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. They proclaimed it, blessed is the king of Israel. And then even see at his death, they put a sign above his head um, and they said, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And so Jesus was very much a king. The interesting thing was that some of his disciples thought he would establish an earthly kingdom and how wrong they were. He didn't, he didn't come to establish an earthly kingdom. See, we see in the giving of gold, Jesus was stating something about his authority, his position, his purpose, but it was nothing about an earthly throne or a palace, was it? This kingdom was far greater than that. This kingdom would never end. Who knows that this is the kingdom that, you know, kings have come and gone on the face of the earth and their palaces and their thrones disintegrate and turn back to dust and it all goes away. But the kingdom of God never does. And, and maybe it, was, it wasn't a physical kingdom, but it involved the hearts of you and me. In actual fact, the kingdom of God is in the hearts of you and me today. As we worship him, as we honor him, his authority, his power, we display in our lives because of him in us. That's the kingdom. And if I look across today, and if it was just us, I tell you what, that means I can see the kingdom of, kingdom of God is alive and well. But there's literally two, nearly two billion people, that's Christmas, who will honor Jesus as the Lord and Savior. That's exciting. Two billion, about two billion of the eight or so billion, seven or plus billion or something, that actually will worship Jesus. Isn't that exciting to think that that's the kingdom of God? It's a pretty big kingdom, isn't it? If, if I was to try and illustrate the kingdom of Jesus in a modern day thought today, it'd be like, um, it'd be, uh, it's not the best of illustrations, but the terrorist groups that exist, the, the ISIS group and all those groups, they don't have a, a geographical location of a building and a palace and a throne, but they have an ideology in the hearts and lives of men and women who are so extreme in their views that they actually will go out, strap, you know, bombs themselves and blow up themselves and kill other people. That's how extremes the ideologies are. That's a kingdom with no walls and no palaces. But the kingdom of God is exactly the same. It's in the hearts, in the lives of people, but it's the reverse of that type of kingdom because it's a kingdom that wants to do good and not harm. It doesn't want to destroy people. It wants to make people. It doesn't want to blow people up. It wants to expand their vision and their focus and their joy and their hope and their peace in the future. That's the kind of kingdom we serve in the hearts and lives of people. You've got it in your heart, I pray this morning. That's the kingdom that Jesus... So as he was given the gold, uh, the wise men, whether they knew it or not, they were depicting something of Jesus' future and the kingdom of God. Um, the Bible actually says the kingdom of God in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. It says this one, which we have. It says the kingdom of God is not eating and what? Drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. There's the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom with no walls, physical walls. It's a kingdom in the hearts and lives of people. It's not about, it's not about eating and drinking it's not about the physical stuff. As much as we love that and we'll enjoy that this Christmas, 
But the kingdom of God is about righteousness. What's that? That's right living. How can we live right? It's because of Jesus Christ that we can live right, what he's done for us. It's about, it's about um, peace. You know, a peace that surpasses the understanding of this world, that even in the midst of struggle, we can have incredible peace. It's about joy, not the ha-ha. It's more than the happiness. It's a, it's a joy that just says, hey, in, I've got a reason to be joyful no matter what happens. I reckon I'd, I'd, over an earthly throne, I'd like that more than anything else in my life. And yet so many of the world reject that because uh, they think the world and its peace and its man-made joy and its man-made happiness is going to fulfill you. Uh, how wrong, hey? So it's not about a physical world. It's more importantly, it's about a life and the kind of life we can live. And, um, and it says a lot about what is really important in this life because it's not our material wealth. It's our emotional health. Would you agree? It's not about our material wealth. It's about our emotional health and living right. So... Jesus' kingdom has ideas that like loving yourself as you love others. Jesus' kingdom is like forgiving those who wronged you. Jesus' kingdom is like um, seeing God as someone to be loved and not feared. Uh, that's the kingdom of God. And when the wise men came to Jesus, they gave it with a purpose. I believe, or whether they did or I'm not sure, but they worshipped the king who brought a kingdom that would there be no end to it. And we're the testimony to an incredible kingdom. The second gift was what? Frankincense. Frankincense. You probably know this, but it's an aerobic, in a, uh, sorry, a beautiful smelling perfume. And it's a clear resin obtained from the trees in northern India and the Arab countries. It's like a sap. We'd call it a sap these days. And the resin was, and when it was burnt, it gave a very fragrant um, smell. And th this, this um, frankincense was used in incense. They mixed it into an incense. And what they used to do, the priest used to take the incense and he'd burn it. Whenever he went into the temple to perform his duty before God, he'd burn the incense and, he'd, and there'd be prayers uplifted before God. And so incense has many different um, thoughts about it. But one of the things is it, it, is, an op it, it is seen as uh, represents the prayer and worship ascending to heaven. Frankincense. And, and David, King David wrote about this. He says, let my prayer in Psalm 141, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. In other words, out of this worship and prayer. So frankincense, you know, very much represented the opportunity we now have because of Jesus coming on this earth as Emmanuel, God with us. It very much represents this relationship that we can have with God through communication and talking and worship. What we did this morning, worshiping him, it's just like he smells this fragrant. God, you know, did you know um, that this morning the worship that you offered God is, it can be fragrant and he just loves that. Fragrant, like an incense. We don't burn incense. You know, if you want to do that, that's fine. But it, it just realize it's not the incense that's exciting for God anymore. It's the, the worship and the prayer of the saints that, it, as they communicate and relate. Have you communicated with God today? Have you taken the time to offer him some sweet-smelling prayer, communication and time? Maybe you've been busy this morning. Sometime during this day, you'll just talk to God or relate to him. Or, you know, I don't know. But it, it, frankincense very much related to the relationship that Jesus made it possible for us to have with God. He was the bridge between us and God. And we can have this relationship through worship and prayer and his word. I was, um, I was reading this story about three ministers who were in the office one day. They'd meet every week to discuss certain subjects. 
And at one end of the office was an um, electrician fixing up their, the power supply to the whole church and office block. And the three of them were sitting there carrying on. And the first minister talking about prayer, this was the subject to discuss. And they said, you know what, my prayers, you know how I pray? I pray with my hands folded as if in worship. And he says, you know, I know that just creates this atmosphere for me that's so powerful. Just to, and, and, and that's wonderful. And the second minister said, well, that's nice, but I just want you to know that, you know, I'm not really quite sure if that's the way you should do it. I, to be honest, prayer really needs to be on your knees. That's the time when God really hears your cry of your heart when you're on your knees. And the third minister said, well, they're nice as well, but guys, I've got to be honest with you. If you really want God to hear your cry of your prayer, if you really want him to, to tune into you, you've got to be prostrate. You've got to lie flat on the ground and cry out to him. And the telecom or the electrician, sorry, or whatever it was at the end of the office couldn't keep out of the conversation any longer. And so as he's, he's, he's speaking, he says, you know, excuse me, um, ministers, can I just add my two cents here? He says, yeah, 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 what is he going to say? He says, I found the most powerful prayer is when I've made it while I was dangling upside down by the heels from a power pole. He says, that's been the most fervent and earnest prayer. And I just want to say, it's not the position of your prayers, it's the position of your heart. It's the passion of your heart that makes the difference about your relationship with God. Would you agree? See, God longs for this relationship. And if there's one thing that frankincense, um, you know, represented was this incredible relationship we can now have. Because we used to, in Jesus' day, in the Old Testament, they had to go through a priest. He had to offer the prayers for them. You know, they had to offer the sacrifices. We don't need a priest anymore. We are the priests. That we can offer our own relationship and offer our own cry and our own praise God for that. That we can talk to him personally. And Jesus came that that, might be, that, that may be made possible. And as those, and as those, um, as those wise men came and presented frankincense, it represented this incredible thing that was, that was now going to be made possible because of Jesus Christ. I love it because Christianity is about a person rather than a philosophy. It's about Jesus, isn't it? It's about our heart more than our actions. And it's, it's about more, important relation, more importantly, the relationship we can have with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus actually declared it. He says, you know what? I am the way, he said. He wasn't a way. He wasn't one of many ways. He wasn't a way. He was the way, the exclusive one way, unique one way. He wasn't one of many ways. Oh, you can all roads lead to Rome or all roads lead to heaven. No, they don't. There's only one road to heaven. That's through Jesus. Don't get tricked by that one. So wise men, when they, what they were doing is they gave their frankincense and they were saying to this little boy, you know what? God will um, no longer, the people have to go through anybody else. They can talk to God personally. They can relate to him. They can communicate. And we can have a relationship through worship and prayer. Here's the third one. What was the third one? Myrrh. Myrrh. Interesting. It doesn't even sound right. It doesn't even spell right. M-Y-R-R-H. Wow. Myrrh. You know, myrrh is another, it's, it's a sap also from a tree. It's a gum extracted from a tree grown in the Middle East. It's very fragrant once again, but it wasn't used to burn in, as incense. It was used to embalm bodies. It was used um, as an embalming ointment that would be, uh, you know, a person would be wrapped in linen cloth and then they would in, wrap, you know, 
cover them and paint on this embalming called myrrh and other spices as well. They use other stuff. And it's interesting, but myrrh was mentioned at Jesus' birth. Do you also know when else there was a significant moment for Jesus when myrrh was a part of his life? Does anybody know? He was at his death. Exactly. Who said that? Top of the class, Nick. Isaiah said it. It was at his death. Do you remember in John's Gospel, there was a guy called Nicodemus. Is this for your way? Nicodemus. And Nicodemus asked for the body of Jesus, took his body from the cross, wrapped it in linen. And then it says quite in John chapter 19, he took a mixture of myrrh and other spices, about 100 pounds. That's converted into a English uh, you know, scales. About 100 pounds of this, this, these spices, including myrrh. And they poured it and wrapped his body in it. He would have smelt fragrant, but it would have embalmed him, his body. Isn't it interesting that as the, as the wise men gave that little baby boy, that baby, but that little boy, myrrh that day, they were foretelling of the kind of you know, life and the death he'd then have. And the reality was is that he was born to die, wasn't he? He was born to die. See, they were giving him something. It says in Mark 10, 1045, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a what? As a ransom for a few? Many. Are we the many? Yeah. 2000 and what are we? Nearly 2020? We are still the many. And if the world sticks around till 2050 or even whatever in the future, you know what? They'll still be the many. Isn't it amazing? God reaches out 2,020 years later. He says, you're included in the many. I've given my life as a, life as a ransom for many. We're the many. I find encouragement. See, the word for, it says, a line, as a ransom for. The word for could be replaced by instead of. So Jesus did not die for us, but instead of us. He just didn't die for us. He died instead of us. Think about that for a moment. And the word ransom comes from the slave markets of the day. And every now and then, a person in those slave markets would, might buy a slave and set him free. But before he could do that, he had to pay the ransom what price. And so that's what Jesus did exactly for us. He died to set us free. He paid the ransom price. It's, it's, a, it's something we could never afford. It would take your life. In actual fact, there was nothing, as nothing who, or nobody who could do it besides Jesus because he was perfect, wasn't he? He paid the ransom price. Freedom for what you, you might say today, what freedom do I need? Freedom from what? I'm not in prison. Of course you're not. Not a physical prison anyway. Because sometimes we can be in a mental prison, a mental prison of guilt and addictions, a mental prison of, of, of um, unforgiveness and hatred and a mental prison of all sorts of stuff that just wants to screw us up on the inside. That can be the prison that we're imprisoned in. And yet that's the prison he wants to set us free from. He wants to set us free from that. Freedom to love, freedom to change, freedom to know God. That's the prison he wants us to be free from. And it's a process, isn't it? A working every day sometimes to keep our hearts sweet and not being boiled in, 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 you know, in this um, jail that just wants to take our life and mess it up. And so we've got to see Jesus. He came. And as he came... The incredible thing is, three highly intelligent men and wise men, they just weren't, in, who knows the difference between intelligence and wisdom? Well, I think these guys had both, you know, because you can be intelligent but incredibly stupid. 
because wisdom is more, you can, you can be not highly intelligent, but incredibly wise. I'd pick wisdom over intelligence any day. So these men were wise. And these men who were learned, these men who were probably in some, you know, worked in high authority in a palace somewhere in Persia, came and bowed their hearts and worshipped and gave these gifts. And you know what? They humbled themselves. They could have said, we're, we're bigger than this. We can't do this. No, no, no. They humbled themselves. And God requires of you just to humble yourself and come to him again every day and say, you are the savior of the world. You just weren't born into this world, but through the gold, you're the authority. I can have that kingdom, your kingdom living in my heart. Through the frankincense, you bring the opportunity for me to have a relationship with God because you were the bridge, you were the go-between. You, you died instead of me. And the myrrh, as I said, he died for us, humanity. And if there was no, there would have been no reason for his birth if there wasn't a death. He didn't need to be born if he wasn't going to die for humanity, but he was born because he knew that he was going to die. And the myrrh, in a sense, represented that even at his, as a little boy, he's received that. Well, Joseph and Mary received it on his behalf. The gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. Can we stand and the team come today as we finish today? We're going to sing one song in a moment, and actually probably pretty soon we're just going to. But if you just give yourself a moment and, and just to think. But just for a moment, just give you, just yourself a space, just reflect and ask yourself this question. Am I actually not just a believer in Jesus, but I, have I responded to Jesus? Come on. Have I responded to Jesus? Have I? Because the Bible actually says it's just a little step across the line. And the line is this, that if we believe in our hearts, if you believe in your hearts of the Lord Jesus, then, then God would just say, would you confess that? Confess it, that he is my Lord and Savior. And that's often an, an incredible indication that you are a, a, actually what the Bible calls a Christian or a disciple of Jesus. You're not just a... Oh, yeah, yeah, I believe in God. No, no, no. You've actually stepped over the line and said yes to Jesus. And, and, and while you know that this, it's an imperfect, you're imperfect, but the, the truth is you're, you're moving forward and wanting to live for Jesus and live with him in a relationship, with his kingdom in your heart, and understanding that he's ransomed. He, he, he died not only for me, but instead of me, so to take away my guilt and my shame and my sin. So could we close our eyes just this morning? And I'd love to pray for people today, where they are standing just today. And this is the prayer I like to pray. I'd like to pray a prayer of response and commitment to Jesus. And not on behalf, I'd love you to pray it with me in a moment. But it's going to be verbal. We can all do it together. But today, if you're here and you know that you need to respond, and God's knocking on the door of your heart, and this is the first step that you need to take, I'd love to pray with you today for that, where you are. And the way that we could best work this through, um, instead of yelling it out, how about you just lift your hand today? Could we all close our eyes just for a moment and give everybody just a moment of privacy? But today, if you need to respond to Jesus and say yes to Jesus and step over the line, maybe for the first time or maybe again today because you know you just need to get back with him right. 
I'd love you just to lift your hand today. I'll see that hand. You can put it down and then we're going to pray. You can indicate to me anybody today who's ready for that step, to take that step. Thank you. Is there anybody else? You can put, I, thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Anybody? Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. Thank you. I see that hand. That lady just there. You can put that down. Thank you. God gets very excited. I can see that hand there. Thank you. Little fella there. People just... I'll just wait a moment more and then we're going to pray. I don't want to miss anybody. Opportunities. Are we good? We're right? Well, how about we pray? Make it your own prayer. This is, let's just, and please, Christians, let's just not do it because, oh, we do this a lot, do this a lot. No, 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 let's make it personal. And those who have raised their hand, could you make it personal? I'm going to make it very easy. I'm just going to say a prayer. I want you to repeat it after me. Make it your prayer, but make it your personal prayer. So let's do that right now. Let's, and share, let's do that together. Heavenly Father, you can repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. And I thank you that you've made a way for me to be a believer in you through Jesus Christ. I thank you that he died instead of me. It took my sin as I confess it to you now. I receive into my life your forgiveness, your love, and your help to live for you. I receive and I believe that you accept me as your child right now. Help me, Lord, to live for you. I need you, Holy Spirit. Your presence in my life, in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I thank you for the five people who just responded, whether it's for the very first time, some of them, but for others, it might be again. And every person is very, it's, you take that very seriously and you are excited about that because people in your kingdom is what you're about. And we thank you today. We thank you for this time just before Christmas where we celebrate Jesus. We really don't need a Christmas to celebrate. We can celebrate him every day. And Lord, I just pray you'll strengthen those who have raised their hand today and prayed a prayer of response to you. But Lord, this will be meaningful and touching, that you'll prove yourself to them time and time again. And you'll strengthen them so they won't run from you, Lord, but they'll run into you when struggles come. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's just worship this one beautiful song this morning.